We are going to be in Matthew chapter 20 today. Matthew 20. I'm the fill-in guy. Because the guy that was supposed to be up here is sick. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I would uh, talk about God's grace tonight. And how important it is for us to remind ourselves of the grace that we've been shown. And how good God is and how He is so full of grace. And how He's going to be revealing His grace to us throughout eternity. And so, as we look at this portion of Scripture, it's just to remind us of His grace. And to remind us to have that same grace for others. To be a blessing to others. To extend a hand of grace. To share God's love and His grace. To share the Gospel. And how important it is for us to be an example of Jesus and to be a light that shines bright for His glory that when men see our good works, they glorify the Father in heaven and they don't glorify us. Because when they look in your eyes and my eyes, they see Jesus and they don't see the real us. They see the one that's the creator of all things living in us. And so in Matthew chapter 20, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16 today. Verse 1 says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto the ma a man that is a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had, a, and when he had agreed with the laborers, for a penny a day, he sent them in to his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, which is nine o'clock, and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And so what would happen is that people would like hang out in the marketplace with their tools, their bags, whatever, waiting for someone to come along and hire them. So he hires these guys at 6 a.m. They go to work. He goes into the marketplace at 9 and he finds these other guys standing there idle at the marketplace. And in verse 4 he says unto them, Go you also into the vineyard and whatsoever right I will give you. And they went their way. And so the first guys he promised a penny for a day, which was the wage for that day. The second guys, second group of guys, he says, listen, I'll give you What's right? Just go and work. And they take off. Again, he went in about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and he did likewise. So he went back out, and he went out around noon, got some more guys, put them to work, sent them into the vineyard. And then he went out at three, and he did the same thing. Now, this seems a little strange to us, that he would be going out and hiring people throughout the day. But you got to understand something that when the harvest time was ready, the grapes were ready to be picked. You got to do it fast. See, because if there was a chance of rain, like if the, the owner of the vineyard looks up, he sees clouds coming, and the possibility of rain, the rain could ruin the crop, could ruin the harvest, causing the grapes to get wet causing them then to, as they're being piled up, they get wet, and what happens is they start to mold, and it can ruin the whole harvest. So there's an urgency 
to complete the harvest before the window of opportunity closes. And so what God's going to be showing us through this portion of Scripture, this parable, is that there's a window of opportunity for every person on earth to receive the gift of God and to have eternal life. And it doesn't, rema- doesn't matter what we're going to see what time that you received it, because we're going to see these guys, some are working at 6 a.m., some started at 9, some started at noon, some started at 3, and we're going to see some even start even later. But the offer is there for every single one, and the offer is there for everybody in this world to receive because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish. And so he gives us this example through the parable as he speaks to the disciples. And then in verse 6 he says, And about the eleventh hour, which is about five o'clock in the afternoon, he went out and he found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand you here all day idle? Then say unto him, Because no man has hired us. And he saith unto them, Go you also into the vineyard, whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. And so he goes out and he's still calling people into the vineyard to work at five in the afternoon, which means they only really have an hour or two left to actually work. Now, it wasn't that these guys were lazy. It wasn't like they were lazy just standing around. They wanted to work but they just hadn't been called by anyone. And so he says there in verse 7, unto them, go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. That's important to understand that they were willing to work, and he was willing to give them any amount of work and and offer them the same opportunity that he offered others. In verse 8 he says, even when the evening had come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. So all those guys that came in at three and five, they were going to get paid first, and then the others were going to get paid after that. And he was going to pay them at the end of the day. Now Deuteronomy 24.14 says, Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren, get this, or a stranger, a Gentile, that are in thy land, within thy gates. As, the day thou, as, as his day thou shalt give him his hire, neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor, and setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry out against thee unto the Lord, and it be sin unto you. And so what Deuteronomy is telling us there is that it was a requirement of the law to pay those who you hire daily. To pay them by the end of the day. Because why? Because they're poor. And these guys are standing around trying to earn a penny because that would be enough to feed their family for that day. And God wanted to make sure He took care of them and make that opportunity available. So He tells His steward to pay the last ones that came in at 5 o'clock, who only worked for an hour or two, pay them first. Why? So they could see God's grace. 
and so that you and I could understand the grace of God. Verse 9 says, And when they came, the hired about the eleventh hour, those that came last, they received every man a penny. Well, isn't that what He promised to the people that started at 6 a.m.? But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. So, the 6 a.m. guys are looking at this master who starts paying the guys that showed up in the last hour or two of the day. And they see that the owner was so gracious and gave them a penny which was promised to them that started working at 6 a.m. So they were thinking, oh my gosh, if these guys that only worked an hour or two are getting a penny, we should get about seven times that because we've been here all day. But when they received the same, they became bitter. And I guess it's a human response in all of us to grumble when we see someone get more than us. But what you got to remember what's going on here was that the landlord, the owner, wasn't doing anything wrong. He kept his word with everyone. He paid those that came late according to how he wanted to pay them. And he promised to the first that came a penny and he provided that penny. But what was upsetting them was the fact that these other guys got paid the same. In verse 11, it says, And when they had received that penny, they, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have worked but only an hour, and you have made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden of the heat of the day. And so now they're complaining. They're complaining that we worked all day long and all we got was a penny and you gave these guys that only worked an hour. The point as we look at this is this. Is God is trying to make an impression upon us on our willingness to forsake everything to follow Jesus. Are we willing to do that? And are we willing to obey Him and be thankful for whatever He does for us? Jesus was asked by Peter this question in Matthew 19.27. Then answered Peter and said unto Him, Behold, we have forsaken all to follow You. What shall we have therefore? But His motivation seemed wrong in what He was asking. In other words, he was saying to Jesus, listen, we've given up everything to follow you. What are we going to get out of this? And Jesus says to them, I, I tell you the truth, you're not going to be shortchanged. You're not missing out on anything. You're not going to be left out. You have no idea what I have in store for you, in a sense, is what he's saying. But he said to them, let me tell you this, that there are those that shall be last that will be first, and the first who will be last. In other words, what Jesus was saying to these people and what He's saying to His disciples here and what He was saying to Peter at that time is that the soul of every man is precious in the sight of God. 
is precious in the sight of God. And everyone who forsakes to follow Him will be rewarded. And one soul is not more precious than another. That's what God is showing us. Just because we've been saved 15 or 20 years, and then we see someone get saved on their deathbed, sometimes we can say, you know what, that's not fair. I served God for 20 years. I did everything right. And that person didn't even care about God. They lived in the world. They lived in immorality, substance abuse, whatever, whatever the story is. And, and, and maybe you're here today and someone has hurt you or wronged you and, and you're bitter over it. And maybe, you know, I mean, I think about these families, these stories that I hear of men who have murdered and raped and they're in prison and they're facing execution and they get saved. And we should rejoice. But if you were the person that was affected by that person who murdered your loved one or raped and killed your loved one, there's a part of us that says, not fair. Not fair. There's a part of us that thinks that we deserve more than that individual because we've been serving God for years and they haven't. And the Lord says, no, no. He says, one soul is as precious as another. God's whole desire is that the world would come to Him. He does not take any pleasure in the death of the wicked. He died for the whole world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but we will not be saved by His love. We have to respond to His love. And He's looking for us, and He's so gracious because He gives us this opportunity to love and to turn to Him even in our last breath. And I find that amazing. The grace of God. Jesus is challenging our motives for serving. Are we serving God to get something? Or are we serving God because we love Him? And we have an attitude of gratitude and a heart that's just so thankful that we say he's worth it. And Lord, I want to serve you all my days and I don't want anything. I don't, I don't need anything. You've already given me the greatest thing, salvation. I hear people say all the time, I've never seen a miracle. Well, if you've been born again, that's the biggest miracle you're ever going to see. Because what, what is better than that? I mean, what would it be to be healed of a physical ailment, to have cancer taken away and still die and go to hell? That's, that's not a miracle I want to see. The greatest miracle ever is when you give your life to Jesus Christ because He gives you eternal life. And because of that, that's what drives us to live for God. That's what drives us to forgive others. That's what drives us to have grace and mercy for other people. That's what drives us to get the Gospel out to finish well, to do the Father's will. That's what God wants for us because He knows by us doing that, we will be blessed. Aren't you blessed when you find out someone that you love and care about gets saved? Oh man, it rocks your world. We should rejoice when someone gets saved on their deathbed. Why? 
Maybe someone's hurt you so bad, and then you found out they got saved in their last moments, their last dying breaths, they gave their life to the Lord. And you might think, not fair. But we should rejoice when someone gets saved on their deathbed because we didn't get what we deserved. Why should we be grudging someone who's not getting what they deserve? I think too many times we forget what God has done for us. And we think that somehow somebody else needs the blood of Jesus a little bit more. Or when God shows someone grace that we don't really like, there's a part of us that says, you know what, Lord, turn the screws on them. They need to suffer a little bit. Let's see a little judgment. Oh, but be patient with me. Lord, you know my heart. And sometimes even when we hear that bad things happen to people that have hurt us, we tend to rejoice, and that's wrong. It's totally wrong. We should have the heart of God. I think about God's grace and how much grace He's shown each and every one of us. And it blows my mind that we should not return that by showing others grace. And one thing that we need to do as children of God is we need not to be envious. Look at verse 11. And when they had received that penny, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last worked but an hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, and he said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did I not promise you? Did you not agree? Didn't I not tell you that I was going to give you a penny? Take what is yours and go thy way, and I will give unto these these last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is thy eye evil because I'm good? See, the reason he paid the last first was to show the first his grace. Because here's what would have happened. If he would have paid the first their penny, they would have taken their penny, they would have walked off, and they never would have saw what the, the 9 a.m. guys, the 12 a.m. guys, the 12 o'clock guys, the 3 o'clock guys, the 5 o'clock guys got. They would have missed the whole point. And he was working in their hearts to understand the grace of the Lord, the grace of God. And that salvation is available to anyone. And that we need to have grace for one another. He says there in verse 15, Is thine eye evil because I am good? That word there, evil, is the word in the Greek for envious. Are you envious of what God is doing for others? And a little jealous that you want Him to do more for you. Are you a little envious when God blesses somebody, you didn't expect He should bless. And maybe you felt He should have done something else to him, but He poured out His blessing and His grace and His mercy upon them. But sometimes we can be envious <clears throat> that why, God, are you doing this for them when I've served you for so long? You remember the story of the prodigal son. He went off, squandered his inheritance, hit rock bottom, came back, he said, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against 
you, my father. And the father ran to him, hugged him, kissed his neck, put a robe on him, ring on his finger, killed the fatted calf, threw a party. But the story of the prodigal son is really more about his brother. His brother was angry because his brother never left. His brother didn't squander things away. His brother didn't go live in the world, but was faithful to the father. And the father's heart was broken because he didn't have that grace for his brother. His heart was broken because he was angry and he was bitter. And he said to that son, he goes, everything I have is yours. That's what Jesus is saying to you right now. Everything I have is yours. Why should you be upset that I'm showing grace towards someone else? It was important for that son to understand that. And I don't know if he did or not, but it's God's grace to restore us that when we go the wrong direction and we come back and repent, that He sets us back on our feet and He's faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here what He's doing is He's warning us that He's warning us that when we say, what am I going to get out of all this, Lord? When we say to the Lord, I've been doing all this, what are you going to give to me? What He's warning you and me is not about your accomplishments, but about your faithfulness. And so many times we think because we did all these things for God that He owes us. He doesn't owe us anything. He already gave you the greatest gift that you could ever, ever have, eternal life. And, and if He gives you anything on top of that, that's a bonus. But you serve Him because you love Him. You serve Him because what He's done for you. You serve Him and not expect anything in return. And God doesn't reward us for our accomplishments. He rewards us for our faithfulness. Because everything that is accomplished in our life, it's not us that did it. It was Him that did it in us. And so when we do something good for God, all glory goes to God. It doesn't go to me. It doesn't go to you. It's like that verse I quoted earlier. That when men see our good works, they glorify the Father in heaven. They don't glorify us. They glorify God. God is doing amazing things in your life and you need to make sure He gets the glory. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not share my glory with another. And so our accomplishments is what God's done in us. Your reward comes from God for your faithfulness. And what is God saying to you tonight? Are you faithful? Are you faithful? When He tells you, I want you to go here, are you faithful? When He says, I want you to turn away from that, are you faithful? When He says, I want you to preach the Gospel, are you faithful? I know sometimes it's uncomfortable and He likes to get us out of our comfort zone but, and we worry sometimes, well, what do I say? What am I going to do? You know what He'd tell you? Don't rehearse anything. Just get in the zone. Get in the zone. Holy Spirit will overshadow you and I'll get it done. And I'll use you to do it. And then the glory will go to me and I'll reward you for your faithfulness. Verse 16, our last verse. He says, So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. God's calling everyone. That's why He died for us. He's calling everyone, but we need to answer the call. 
We need to commit ourselves to Jesus Christ. We need to not only believe He's who He is, but trust it. Put our trust in Him. Allow Him to work in us and through us. His grace just blows me away. How much grace has He shown us? How much grace does He continue to show you? And I think whenever we lack grace for others, that we need to stop and really examine ourselves of how much grace God has shown us. And when we do that, oh my goodness, we should rejoice when someone has been saved 20 years or 20 minutes. Because that's God's grace. And He extends the hand of grace to each and every one of you. And He wants you to share that love, that grace, with others. And when they get saved, He wants you to rejoice. Because look what He did. He did for them what He did for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You for just the reminder of how You're so full of grace. And Lord, we pray that You would give us the strength to be that example too to others. Then when they look into our eyes and they interact with us, they sense a tremendous grace in our hearts, mercy, a desire to love, an understanding heart, a heart after God. And so Lord, we can't do that on our own. And only You can do it in us. And so we invite You to take over our lives and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.